This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the One Was Had a Dream podcast. My name is Lee Finch, and as ever, I will be joined by Danny Baker. Uh, we also have a special guest joining us tonight, and that will be Mark Jones. Uh, Danny, how are you? You excited for tonight? I'm not going to lie to you. Since doing this podcast, uh, our guest is probably one of the people I was desperately wanting to to speak about. I mean, I've seen Mark for God knows how long at various guys at football matches, and he might have seen me. God love, God help him. But he was one of the faces, if that makes sense. When you grew up, you always like looked up to certain fans. Um, I don't want to sort of big him up too much, but Mark was definitely one of the fans. I was like, wow, when I'm older, I want to be that. But can I just bring something up right now? And I'm going to bring Mark in, I don't care, your little introduction thing. Can we talk <laughs> briefly about referees? And I know I'm not linking it over the Sunderland thing, but I wanted to just make a, a brief point and see what you think about. What is it about football that referees cannot communicate with the public or on so that fans know what's going on as example the cricket if it's a third umpire everyone knows where they're at and everyone's okay rugby's the same football for whatever reason i watched the var i don't know it was yesterday or it might have been on the newcastle game no one had a clue what's going on everyone's in the dark and i don't understand are we at a point now considering we had a dreadful referee on saturday is it time that referees came out and spoke to the fans anyway that's my little rant did you did you see this? Have you seen a referee in Australia? They do it. They've yes, all mic'd up. that was excellent. That guy was excellent. And, and that was the guy who refereed us against Arsenal in the. That's uh, right. Yeah, and he was awful in that game. So yeah. Yeah, but that, he didn't communicate. What I'm saying is, he can be rubbish. I'm not saying I'm not slagging uh, off. The there stack, is there, but... there was a point I think Mike Dean come out and said if they communicated, then you're you're only one side are going to actually agree with the communications, whatever the decision is. There was a reason why they don't do it in football. But if you go back to, to last week's pod, when everyone obviously must listen to it, the one thing that Charlie said was, have it, at least having somebody to communicate with, at least you've got 
an understanding of where a person comes from, but also as it happens, the, the decision, like with rugby, people very rarely get frustrated with rugby because you hear the but, rationale of decision as it goes. Danny, you can only communicate really at the, at the highest level because they've got VAR and stuff like that, so they can watch it again and say this in is the game, and that's the yeah. same as rugby. But in League One, we don't have that, so they can't. He can't communicate and go, "I just didn't see it." No, but he can after the game. He can go, "Right, you know what? These are the decisions that were made." I mean, it'll be funny. I'm I sure disagree Mark with you. There was twelve yellow cards on Saturday. Yeah, that but that referee's if you look if you look at the referee's record previously, his his record was booking he books people funny. He's only just been promoted to League One as well, so he's got trying to point to prove he's a young ref. Why Mark, can't they communicate? Anyway, let's bring let's bring Mark in. Yes, if bring him in. Mark, Mark come thanks on, very much. Sorry, thanks very much for joining <clears> us. How are you? You all right? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right, get rid of the referee and Mark. Go on. I was waiting for my yellow card, to be honest. I got mine when I got in. I got mine when I got in. The missus, like I normally do after going to play our lane. But um, do you know what I found? I agree with you. I, you know, bits I've heard with rugby refereeing and referees that are mic'd up and the fellow that we had for Arsenal. It's interesting. Uh, but I think I've seen it when it's not been a game that I've been involved in. You know, it's not been my team. And so yeah. I think it's like Lee makes a good point that if he said, um, I've given that yellow card because I thought he went in over the top of the ball and we were all sitting there two yards away and going, well, he didn't. I don't know if that'll make me feel any better. I think it... And we're also, don't forget, we're probably thinking about games you've watched on TV and heard it. So I think in the stadium, maybe it wouldn't work. I do like the idea of hearing from a referee after a match, you know, or even maybe, you know, the referee's assessor should should come out of it. Because I tell you the bit that's really crazy is the amount of times... Because I'm sitting in the, in the West End quite near the dugouts. He's seen our dugout and the Oppo dugout like non stop on the fourth official. I guess that's what they're called now, right? Assistant, whatever yeah. it is. You know, the fellow that's standing there. And the I'm assistant like, to the assistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how much value there is in that. I don't know whether that gets conveyed. Apparently, they're mic'd up with the referee. So I think there is the thinking behind it is that you, if you're going to say something to the referee about a decision, and obviously the most obvious one for us is, are you getting booted up in the air, 20 foot in the air every 10 seconds? Yeah. And I think saying to that guy on a touchline, when is the referee going to do something about that? Maybe they're expecting him to say, ref, you got to do something about it, but is the referee listening to him? Is he listening to anybody? You know, the amount of times you see oppo managers getting in the ear of that guy trying to get into the referee, I just don't know. I don't know whether that makes any sense at all. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, with them all wired up. I know, as I say, apparently that fellow is wired up with the referee and they communicate. But I agree with you, Mark, regarding coming out after a game and saying why, like if they've been interviewed after a game and saying why did you make that decision, and then they can say yeah, this is the reason. But again, I think it only works at top level. I don't think you could drop it down to League One, League Two, and say why they made decisions because. The referee against Sunderland literally made, what, hundreds of decisions? Yellow cards there, front and And the one thing I was happy about with the Sunderland game, going on to that, is I love the fact that Rob Tuvey and all them just got right stuck involved and had it right off with them. But it is difficult. Yeah, well, I, spoke, well, on, I spoke to Rob after the game briefly because he was in. He walked through the pub. He's not in there a lot, but his missus was in there and he had some family down and he came in there. And I said to him, like, you know, it was very different from you today, you know, on the touchline, because he's a fairly passive fella, isn't he, on the touchline? Yeah. Yes. I remember years ago him saying to me, and this isn't me trying to go, my mate Robbo, by the way, it's just, you know, he's not <laughs> no, hard to bump into, right? Mate, Robbo, yeah. Well, he's not, he's not hard to bump into, right? He's not, he doesn't know either way, Mark, so you can you can get hold of him if you, you know, if you, and if you've ever sort of had the, 
the privilege to sort of speak to him. He's a very honest and open fella, you know. So, and I said to him, like, that's, that wasn't like you. And he said, do you know what? It's really driving me mad, like, and more about, and he said this in interviews, we're a team that are good about quick transitions, right? That's when we, when we first, first few games of the season, turnover and then pace into the final third is what was absolutely slaughtering the opposition. And they've sussed it now. So every time we take possession, we just see one of our players fly up in the air. And the bit that was interesting about the Sunderland game is they passed that round the team. The minute one of them got a yellow, they just stood off. Then the next player went in and had a dig. And, and so there's two things there. It was like, that's professional cynical football fouls, right? But they work. They work against us week in, week out. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we're getting fans frustrated with the young side. Because an 18-year-old kid don't know about that. Yeah, we're naive. They're going to do that. 100%. You know, they're not going to do that. And I don't, and I don't know whether you teach them that or not. I don't know whether you say that. I tell you, having said that they're naive, it really does... You watch this next game, you're right? The amount of times we pick the ball up after we've given a free kick away and jog away with the ball and then throw it to a different player than the one who wants it and tap the ball out when it's, you know, when it's their throw, not ours. There's a lot of that that goes on. So I don't think we're super sort of naive. Do you know what I mean? We're not playing like, you know... Green around the Gills players. We used to. You both remember, you know, you both you will remember when we played under Neil, we used to run around saying how we were top of the fair play. It used to drive me mental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Was, I'm yeah. like, yeah, we're bottom, we're bottom of the table, but we and we ended the yellow card. Maybe they maybe the two are connected. Do you know what I mean? We're so I don't think we're sort of like super it's not super daft and, and green around the gills in that sense. But it just seems to be that very cynical opposition get away with a lot against us. And I think that's what you saw Saturday, and I think that's why. Robbo was doing his uh, incredible Hulk impression on the touchline. I think you're right. Well, uh, the only player I think who's got it in him is Asal. He's got that little bit of, he'll stand in front of the ball, he, he'll bring people down or he'll, he'll get involved. Where there was a goal, I think, a couple of weeks ago where we should have brought the player down on the halfway line, took yeah, the book but... in and then just allowed him to go on. But then you talk about the Sunderland game, McCormick picks up a second booking, which is stupid. Asal picks up another booking, which again, he dives and it's, it's ridiculous to pick up booking. And, if he hadn't been booked, everything would have been wiped. His bookings would have been wiped on Saturday. Is it, is it after after that game? Yeah, after that game, his bookings would have been wiped. Oh no! So as much as you don't. love us, Al, but you've got to think. Come on, mate! Like, don't be getting booked. You have got one more game, and then you 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 you're not going to get a suspension. We're missing him now for two games, isn't it? The, go, the going over easy is the only yellow card that really drives me mad as, as a football fan and as a Wimbledon fan. Because I'm like, like, stay on your feet, like. I, I want us to get kicked and stay on our feet and say, you know, I'd like the idea that you boot you up in the air and you jump back up and go, is that it, mate? Because I'm going to go past you again in a minute. So you're yeah. going to have to get used to kicking me. But when, you know, I don't I don't think that we've got players that that simulate. I don't think we've got out-and-out out cheats. We ain't got, like, you know, Gilolo is the, is, the, is the most famous version I can think of. That's how old I am. But, you know, like someone who was constantly looking at a go to the, go to the ground or Limpar at Everton. But... Klinsman, yeah. You know, in the modern game, in, you know, in the modern game, I think players are coached. If you get a touch, if you think the ref will give it, don't stay on your feet. You know, I've, I've even seen sort of pro footballers that you wouldn't expect to be that sort of player. So almost make excuses for that. You know, there was contact. There was contact. For my money, I'm like, I don't, I'm not bothered about the pain because you could have scored the goal if you stayed on your feet. Yeah. And I know most of the time, most of the time you'd expect to score a pain, but that's if you get it given. We're starting to see players getting yellow cards, you know, going over with a touch. I don't think they're just leaving up in the air wearing 
swimming trunks and a pair of goggles, but <laughs> they're getting the touching going over. But but now referees are starting to give yellow cards to our players going over. I'm like, just stay on your feet. I mean, the sales on Saturday was pathetic, though. I mean, that was... I was standing on the south stand and that just looked like a dive all day. It was ridiculous. And, and, and the worst thing about it, as Mark said, he actually was on his feet and he could have quite easily, I know we were a bit desperate, he could have gone back, made a cross or done something and he just, he just, he, he just went flying over. But I wonder whether that's why he gets so bookly. The fact that he is one of the only guys who has got the ability to get, out, get under people's skin and charge and hunt and he's got a bit about him. He's, the only, he's literally the only one who does it, him and Woodyard. It's Whether mad. that means that he gets booked a lot, I don't it's, know. What I find mad about Asal is that it seems like all the refs have already got his num like his name and number in. Really, like he's gets fouled left, right, and centre. He it gets is kicked. mental. Robbo, I know Robbo's mentioned it before, and it, like he gets absolutely booted around. Don't get nothing. He makes one little challenge, and then it's boom straight in the book. And it's like how are the all the referees are, like aware of this already. They must be chatting and stuff like that. But going back to the Sunderland game, I I um, I didn't watch the game. Uh, but I heard Cos, Cosgrove played it well, and what, we were what are we saying? We're, we're every single week, and again, I, I don't know what Mark thinks, but I feel like the progress made from the Ball and Wood game, every game we've just got a fraction better, and we're getting better, and we're getting better. It was good to see Cosgrove, he seemed quite mobile, seemed quite happy to link in with players. And again, we seem to be great everywhere in the pitch but the two boxes. I just felt that going forwards... We finally seem to be linking players up, playing. You know, I thought we were as good as Sunderland on the ball and moving around, but didn't again didn't make a huge amount of chances. We had a, I think a Sal had a shot that was going in the corner and the keeper saved it. One at the far end, obviously the penalty. But I, we didn't again. We just we do a lot of really good stuff, but that killer thing that we need to do, which is scoring goals, we just we just don't quite manage to do that. But it, we're we're definitely definitely moving in the right direction and. It was it was a I thought it was a wicked game of football to watch. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I have watched all the, a lot of the games this year and really enjoyed it. And Sunderland was, it was just nice to be able to, to to come away from Sunderland and go. We were competitive and we were equals. I mean, Sunderland. It was just, yeah, it was absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know what you thought, Mark, but I thought the game was great. Was yeah, it's one. Of, I thought it was one of those games that the further away you got from it, the more you felt like we should have won it. Yeah, I think at the time it looked fairly even. And they've got decent players. I think they've got decent individuals. Didn't think they looked like a great side. I think we should have beaten them. I wanted to beat them. I felt we were going to beat them because, as you said, I feel like it's, it's, we're getting our mojo back now. It, it feels like it's going back to what we were like before. That break murdered us. That, yeah. that all those COVID games had got called off. You know, the Wickham game away, we were like, that was us absolutely firing on all cylinders. And then, then that sort of cold shower of not playing football matches just totally sort of like lost our way. It's interesting because there was a lot of talk from people saying, and I was one of them at the beginning, of like, we haven't played for so long. Why are we, why are we so poor? The Oxford game was, was dreadful. That's as yeah. bad as I've ever seen us play a game of football. Yeah. And, and the thing with that was, again, I, you know, I managed to get, get through to Mark and ask Mark, and he was like, we haven't prepared, we haven't had that time to train. Because what we've done is, we've, we've recovered from a game, we've prepared for the next match, We've worked on set plays. We've worked on, you know, shape against a particular opposition. Then you taper off. Then you don't play to get ready for the game. Then the game don't happen. So then that's another hour and a half that you've missed. Yeah. You know, that's another, you know, that's, that's fitness levels dropping. Then go again. And, and the same thing happened again and again, didn't it? So it was, it was almost like, you know, last thing you said to me this week was, I'm looking forward to a, to a full week before the next match. 
you know, where we know what's coming on Saturday. We know we're playing. We know what we've got to do to prepare. And, and, I, and, I, and I think I can't make Saturday. I've been, been to most of the games this year. I can't make Saturday. I'm pretty certain we're going to go and get the three points here. What are we missing, Mark? Be about what, right missing? Me. what are we missing from that? I feel like we're, I, I said, me and my dad were talking about it. I feel like we're 80% now. I feel like we've got so much going. Been massively impressive, also at right back. I think he's been, he's been, I mean, I know he's not a great fan, but I really do rate him. <laughs> I think he's been awesome at right back. He's been quick. On Saturday, I thought he was exceptional, to be honest. Right. But I just feel like we're just, I don't know what it is. And it's going to, I feel like we, there's like a switch that we haven't pressed yet. And when we press it, we're going to go. And I think a couple of teams could be on for, for a bit of a kicking, to be honest. But the concern, obviously, is obviously missing a Sal for Gillingham in particular. Bolton, I think, I think we've got a good chance. They lost to Burton yesterday. But missing a Sal for Gillingham is pretty big. But I think these next three games are going to be huge. If, if we can beat Donny and beat Gillingham, I think we're, you can, you can almost write off a lot of teams. But I feel like, I don't know what we're missing. What are we missing, Mark? Can I, sorry, Mark. Can I, I think, just, go on, I mate, just quickly say before because Danny tried to throw me under the bus there, saying that Ossie. You were just doing this. You were like trying to do right. that, that cut face for Ossie. We've been brilliant. No, I like. I, I don't get. I love Ossie. I think he's brilliant. No, but he's very, him. very inconsistent. In one minute, you, the thing again with, with you don't get any middle ground with Ossie. He's either really, really good or he's really, really bad. So me saying he had a good game Saturday. What's wrong with that? I just you were saying about how good he is. I don't. Yeah, he I, is I, good. He's very inconsistent. That's all I'm saying. He's allowed. He can be good and inconsistent, can't he? You know what I mean? I, I, right. Anyway, Mark, what are we missing? Good. Yeah, Mark. Well, that's well, well, Mark just quickly, please. just quickly on Paul. I, I think Paul got in the side, did well, got very comfortable in the side, and I'm not saying he went to his head and he lost the plot. I think I think he kind of like, and maybe he'd even say it himself. I think he switched off a little bit. I think he got used to being picked. He came out the side. Came back in the side, playing on what most people would call his wrong side. You know, there's some interesting stuff out there. If you have a look at managers that intentionally flip full-backs and play them opposite sides so they can cut in rather than go round players. Um, but I think he's come back in the side and I think he's been, I think he's been one, of our, one of our best players. In terms of does he look consistent, I think a lot of that's down to whether people double up on him and whether teams have somebody in front of him that he's one of their better players. Do you know what I mean? You've got to think of the sort of difference in calibre that we face in this league yeah. you know some of the top sides are just like ludicrous like ridiculous well, some, you know, of them have, some of them have Patrick Roberts who cost Man City 14 million like three four years ago do you know what I mean yeah, that's we know the where yeah where you came we from we know, exactly, we know about that but that's right. what I mean that's the levels exactly. you're talking about Mark I think 14 million what four or five years ago yeah so so I think you know in terms of what's missing my my big one, and I've been saying this, I'm a, I'm a broken record on this, and I think it fits in with having a young side. I think it's confidence. I think it's arrogance. It's confidence. You know, my, my eldest lad, who's like 26, 27, he was... So he, the reason why I say his age, because he's seen, you know, he'll talk about John Main and he'll talk about Kedwell, he'll talk about from that era on. Yeah. And he, you know, and then obviously he gets the best of Lowell Taylor, who's probably the most perfect example of an arrogant, Footballer, right? In the, in the in the way that in the way that if he plays for the opposition, you want to see him like put in the stand. If, the minute he signs for you, you're like, now he's out. Now he's our arrogant bastard. Do you know what I mean? And and is that you know we all know that famous goal celebration at, at Kings Meadow of Lyle running down the touchline. You know, like this is our house. This is our house. That sort of attitude. That's the sort of thing that we had in the first like eight games of the season just because of how well we were playing. So it kind yeah. of bred an arrogance that was that was possibly more about confidence. But I like us to be cocky. You know, 
young young people should be Larry Cockney and think they're better than they are. That's that's what that's what being a teenager is all about, right? Think you 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 think you're the you're thinking the dog's bollocks even when you're not. And, and we've lost a bit of that. It's almost like we've been we've crashed down to earth with, with some of the results we've had. But I you know, I Shrewsbury away was the first game for me where I saw the sort of the colour run out of our cheeks, you know, and like I was desperate for Rudy to take people on. We were sort of we were coming up short. We weren't sort of trying to go round people. We weren't trying to play, play quick triangles around people. That's when we looked like a good Wimbledon side. And a different Wimbledon side to what I'm used to, by the way. But and it was interesting as well, listening and, and reading about people talking about, you know, I'm a Wimbledon fan and this is what I expect to see. I can guarantee you Mark Robinson knows what Wimbledon is about. Yeah. In a, in a way that Neil Hardy never used to, right? So I felt like Neil... And this isn't Mark versus Neil, by the way, but I think it is two contrasting eras. I think with Neil, he wanted a different era. He wanted to play passing football, but he almost wanted to bury the pass. Partly, I think, to be his own man, to not be ex-Wimbledon player. Neil hardly gets a go at being manager. You know, and then we had Wally do the same, and then we had Glyn do the same. There's none of that with Mark. So, but I've always said to anyone whose era I can get hold of, there is a Wimbledon thing, right? If you're a West Ham fan, you talk about wanting to play a certain sort of football. You expect to play a certain way. Yeah. Man United fans recently talking about this isn't a Man United side. So when we talk about, and everybody thinks that, but when we talk about it as a Wimbledon side, I don't think it's elbowing people. I don't think it's booting them. I don't think it's having lunatics in the side. It's definitely not about a long ball back to front because otherwise that would have gone straight over the top of Robbie LZ and he's the best player I think we're ever going to see in a Wimbledon shirt. I think Agreed. Yep. You know, that's... I don't think you can argue that. I mean, he was just different gravy. Yep. And for me, it's about pace and it's about aggressive forward-thinking football. And if you think about this season when we've done well, that's what we've played like. You know, we've, we've had those fast transitions. We've moved quickly against sides. There's been that kind of relentless attack, you know, like when we're on the ball, that high press, that, you know, when we, when we close teams down and go, you know, a game recently... At Plough Lane, it's the first time I can remember in decades of seeing people get on their feet. When Ayub was getting on the ball, people were standing up. I'm talking just over the halfway line, not edge of the area. And I'm in the West End, right? Most people in there are on life support. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'll go in there. I'll go in there. I'll go in there to feel You're young. You're going to there. feel good. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there to feel young and vibrant, right? <laughs> and, feel sorry, and feel sorry for my son who I've put in there. And he like longingly looks up. At the um, at the omen with it all going poorly, and I, I think he just thinks I should have gone in there, which he can do. He can move next year if he wants, if you prefer that. But but you know, like I, people were getting to their feet when I was getting on the ball because I think they were like, "Here we go, this is it, this is it." And I, and I think that's what's missing. And having a centre forward now who can hold the ball up, who can do a little bit of dirty work, and who can have a little bit of a presence up there, you know, he's a big fella. I think I know that sounds strange, right? But it's almost like a fight in a pub. And, and like you know, you've got a range of like little young kids who can all think they can put their hands up, but all they need is one big brother with them who's six foot four who walks to the front, and all of a sudden everybody thinks they've got half a chance in that bar fight, right? And I think that's kind of like the sort of football we play. Now we've got that. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even think that was Ollie Palmer, right? He looked like it, but that, Ollie Palmer was the most deceiving footballer in terms of what you saw when he stood on the pitch at Plough Lane and did his little through his hands, do you know what I mean? And El yeah, shirt I totally, up, totally agree like, with this. He, yep. he, here we go, Wimbledon, Wimbledon number nine nutcase. He was nothing like it. Two mm. good feet, good footballer, 
I don't think he was great in the air. I don't think he beat people up. He, he totally went missing at Boreham Wood. If he was a loony like that, he would have smashed Boreham Wood up, right? Or he would have tried to. I don't think we saw anything out of him, Boreham Wood. I think if we play Boreham Wood next week, I think we give him more of a game this side that we've got now with a different centre forward. Because I think he looks like he likes the dirty stuff a little bit more. You know, like getting his, getting his hands dirty rather than kicking. Yeah, I think, I think you're 100% right. Because as I said, I previously I watched Cosgrove play for Aberdeen. And the Cosgrove that played for Aberdeen was one that would play against Rangers, Celtic and the big teams up there and absolutely go in and go, I'm going to smash every single one of these. None of them are going to get near me. If you try and win a header against me, you're going to be on the floor. And he'd go up there. And I don't think it's worked out at Birmingham. I'll make you right. I think you're right with guys. I'm one of these people that Wimbledon FC was everything to me. I loved it. I loved the fact that we had Robbie L was a hundred million pound footballer in today's market nowadays. He was the best footballer I've ever seen. Also love the fact that we, and, and this is as close as I think we're getting to it, that we're picking up players now like McCormick's and things like that. Or Chelsea are saying, nope, you're not good enough. And then we'll go, hey, come and play for us. Come and like Robbie L, uh, not Robbie L, who is it? Uh, Chris Perry's and the Blackwalls and people like that who got released by clubs and said, well, come on, come train on concrete and make it as a professional footballer. And I think we are getting closer to that with, with what we're doing with the younger players coming in and getting A.O. Vassal was released at Millwall. Uh, because he weren't ever going to make it, and now he's a League One footballer. Uh, I think that's as close well, as we're going to get. It, it feels like it feels like we've actually got some understanding now as a club of what does a Wimbledon player look like. You know, yeah. when we talk about agreed, you know, something struck me earlier on. Right, I, li- I listened back to to a couple of your podcasts, and it was a bit of a theme coming on, and it was and it was a fair theme. And we spoke about this before we sort of went on air here about. If you're if you're a certain age, right? I mean, I first went in '79, and I went one game that year, and we won it, and I thought we were decent. We got relegated. I didn't even know we got relegated. Do you know what I mean? I went back to setting fire to trees and <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff. Do you know what I mean? At that age, I didn't go back to watch us till 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 we went into the second division for the first time. But I watched the team go from the second division, hung around for one season, then that was it. Then then the rocket was lit, and we were gone. We were on the moon. Right, all the way through to the FA Cup, then in the Premier League. I've seen this win at Anfield. I've seen this one at, win at Ivory. I've seen this win at Stamford Bridge. I've seen this smash the living daylights out of the so-called best teams in Europe, right? Yep. You know, Same. from the Cup final on. So, so I've been sport rotten. Then you go through to my eldest son. He saw the rise back in the league. Danny Kedwell, John Main. He saw players scoring for fun. He saw us like, Absolutely buzzing. He didn't get he didn't get the added the added spice of a home grain ground because I don't think Kings Meadow felt like that. Even if you loved it, it weren't you know however bad we're playing at the minute, it don't compare Clara Lane, right? Oh, yeah. We'll get on with that. We'll get on with that. We'll get on with that separately, right? Because I was saying to people, you wait till we've got our own ground, right? And I was right. We'll get we'll we'll get on to that bit. But my youngest son, I remember him going in his first few weeks, going to me, Dad, why are we so shit? And I was like, I feel for him because he don't know, you know, he can, he can, I can show him Robert. I've seen him Robbie L YouTube stuff. I might as well be singing him Stanley Matthews. He's like, what year was that? Like, yeah. do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a great example. If you, if you think of that era, and you put a film on when we're all sitting around the telly at Christmas and I'll go, watch this trading places. It's brilliant. I'll put it on and they'll be like, I ain't watching this. Like, what's this shit? But, you know, like it looks so dated and so, so great. The recent one was the Super Bowl. Halftime show, they bring out like Eminem, Dr. Trey, and all, and all these youngsters are going, who, who, who are these guys? Like, who are these old men? 
It's like, well, these exactly. are some of the best rappers of like our time. You look, look 10, 15 years ago, they were unbelievable. Now all these youngsters are going, why are they bringing out all these old people to sing like Mary J. Bleach? Who's that? You know what I mean? It's like, Mary J. Bleach? That's what, you, that's what the young people were saying. I thought you, you, know. you were pronounced, I thought you had another Sorry, no, pronunciation he's, issue. He's now. in character. No, he's yeah, in was, character, Dave. Yeah. in character. Me out, Dan. Yeah, so, so, so what we've got, right, is we've got a very unfortunate, at this stage, group of fans. You know, because like, it was like when you were talking about do, do fans care about being fan-owned, blah, 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 blah. There's a very quick shortcut to that, right? Don't matter whether you're fan-owned until things go really badly wrong. Right? It's, if, if all you think of it is break glass in case of emergency, the fans own a football club, you can forget about it. I took a mate Saturday, right? He's a Liverpool fan. Grew up in Wolves, but was a, his name was a Liverpool fan, so he went to Liverpool, and he, and he goes to Liverpool, like he's proper. And I took him Saturday. His brother was with him, and his brother's kid. His brother's kid, he's been scouted by, he's seven, he's been scouted by Chelsea, and I'm like, I'm not having that. I'm getting him in the Wimbledon. So he went to the game. They lost their minds. They, like, every single bit about the day was just unbelievable to them. The pub, let alone the fact the manager walks in the pub after the game, right? And the little kid goes there, sees the one ball, walks, we walked in there, right? And, we, and I said, look, go around the back and you go and do a little penalty shootout. But before we did that, I said, come with me a minute, come here. And we got to the top of the West End steps, right? And I said, come and have a look at the ground. And you know that Bobby Robson quote about you falling over a football club when you walk up the steps and see the pitch? His face was just unbelievable. This is not a Wimbledon fan. I mean, I think he might be now, but this is just a little kid coming to football. It, it was like he could have been walking into anywhere. Could have been Wembley. Do you know what I mean? It could have been the Emirates. To him, that was like, this is unbelievable because it just looks so good. Mm. So in terms of that fan owned, I always say like this, at the very end of the day, at the very end of the day, I turn around and said to him, we did this and we own it. It's, it's not, it's not going to catch people and make them go to football. It's the final bit. It's the bit where you're going home in the cabinet at the end of the night and go, and guess what? We own that. We built it ourselves. That's what it is. So we're fan on. Don't going to get some geezer who lives in the middle of Mitcham and don't care about Wimbledon at all. We ain't going to see that and go, oh, we'll have some of that. Unless he's a particular type, right? Unless he's proper groovy and, and, and that's his thing. And they, they will know anyway, right? So those fans are coming along and they're, they're, they're watching a transitional period of the club. You know, and I, I, I say to my boy, when we do something mental, you are going to feel so much better for going, but I was there when we weren't like this. Yeah, I watched yeah. us go to that. Do you know what I mean? And the same as people who, by the way, went when we were in the CCL. It used to blow my mind. I'd look around and I'd see kids there and think, what are you doing coming here? What, what, what do you want to see Sanders Wimbledon for? Or Chips did V Wimbledon? Like, why aren't you going to Stanford Bridge? Because it appealed to them because they felt part of it. When I first went to football, I went to Wimbledon, I went to Fulham, I went to Millwall, I went to Chelsea, and then I went, Nah, I'm going back to Wimbledon because it was just sunk about. I was like, I don't, I don't just want to be like one of them. Do you know what I mean? I don't. This, this ain't talking to me. I don't know what it was. I don't know whether I'm, I'm just a bit kinky. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> I'll go and watch us play. I got, you know what I mean? I want to go and watch Alan Cole play football in, in the second division rather than going to see Chelsea. By the way, we're probably in the second division when I saw him anyway. But you know, so to wrap all that into one big thing, fan ownership, are we any good or whatever? You know, and, and listening into. To, you know, to your podcast and other ones where people are all like, we ain't very good to watch. You know, it's a bit you said, mate. It's like, I didn't even want to go Saturday. I was like, I can't be arsed. It's, it's terrible. And I've got to admit, right, I was, it upset me a bit. I was like, really? Is there nothing, is there nothing there for you other than just the game? Because 
it's weird for me what we do in the pitch is like the little cherry on the top of the pie or the top of the cake you know it's like i have a blinding day out at power lane i meet my mates in the pub i walk down Avon's road i go and have a pint or two in the ground i know it ain't never going to get taken off me i know no one's going to build a supermarket on top of it so i get that i understand that we will we'll have people who are turning up just to see us win games, right? And they've got every right to do that because if we're going to be successful, we have to have all shapes and sizes in that stadium. Yeah. From yeah. the right-on shop steward who can't get enough of politics and people power all the way through to some bloke who was just passing by and thought, I want to go and watch a bit of football. Maybe we're just, you know, I think we're doing really well as a fan base to stick with what we've got in a minute. You know, this run we've been on, right? the support is unbelievable. And the players know that, by the way. The players and the management know that. They do know that we're being patient. But for me, why am I, I'm being patient for one reason. Because I think shouting and screaming at a kid ain't going to make him a better footballer. And I want him to be a better footballer. You know, we went to Accrington and went potty on purpose. We were like, even if we lose, everyone was there. It was like, we, obviously, we'd had a couple of drinks. But we were like, even if we lose 4-0, let's go mad for the whole night. Let's just give it to them and see what the players are at like. You know, mm-hmm. like, imagine that sitting on the way home going, we just got to smash 4-0 and they're still going potty for us. Like, and then they're going to go into training on a Monday or Tuesday and put it in. Do you know what I mean? They, get, they are going to put it in. There is something happening. If you was at Charlton, Woody came and meet at Charlton. And he can't stop talking about the fans. He's like, fans are unbelievable, mate. And all the fans did was walk up to him and say, you're unbelievable. It's like, I know it sounds like super groovy, but it is like, it's a ball of love. Well, and it's easy to get, it's easy to not spot it. Do you know what I mean? And go, oh, we were terrible Saturday. You're entitled to do that. Saturday night, I'm the first person to go, he was terrible, he should have been dropped. I don't know what he's doing at right back. Do you know what I mean? How did he not put that chance away? What's he doing diving? How did he get hooked? But by Monday, Tuesday, it should start to fade and you get buzzing yeah. for the next match. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's what I was saying, saying to you about, you know, your, your little bit, and I know I'm ranting now, but you did give me a soapbox, so I'm going to jump on it. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. all right. <laughs> I will try to get in. There, but, but, listen, but listening into your podcast, I'm like, Number one, you ain't wrong. You're allowed to think that. There ain't no right and wrong. It ain't, if you ain't into being in the trust, then you shouldn't be at the football ground. I'm very, I'm, I'm more than okay with someone going, I don't care left, right or centre. Let me give you a very, very simple stat, right? Out of my immediate family, my brother, my, you know, my nephews and all that, there are nine of us at season ticket holders. I'm the only one that's in the trust. I'm the only one that's in the trust. And I don't ever try and make them join. I don't try and sell it to them. Because it's almost like a little experiment. I want to see when they think they should or shouldn't be in it. And it might well be. It don't matter if they're in it or not. It don't matter. They bought the benches. They buy season tickets. They buy beer there. They buy food at the ground. They buy a shirt. They're supporters. They're as much of a supporter as anybody that's in the trust. The difference is that the trust are there as the owners. They're our Rome. We are Roman, our own Roman Abramovich. Do you know what I mean? Well, and, just on that, though, that I, self-determination is important. Can I just jump in on that one point that you said? You said about, and sorry, Lee, I know you were desperate to say something. I'm just That's curious right. on that last point, because I think this is a big thing for me. You were talking about the guys who are doing the Don's Trust, and it was great. And you've got the guys who are buying the tickets, doing all the, like, ticking lots of boxes. Surely by doing that, their say should be just as valuable as the guy who doesn't do all that, but just pays 25 quid and get a membership. And I know it's a weird one. Right. I know it's very difficult to no, no, quantify, not. but it, I just find that that bit I find tricky when we talk about models or votes. I just feel that that guy who's who went to Accrington away, bought the shirt, bought this, and then you've got the guy who lives in the middle of nowhere, just bought it, and he's just got a direct debit that runs over, and that's all his engagement. 
I don't see how one should have a, a decent say in how the, 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 the football club moves on and how the other person is shut off, even though he offers so much. I know it's a impossible thing to work round. No, no. I'll no, get my head around it. No, I think, I think it's a massively valid question, massively valid question, and, and I think I've got a bit of an answer to it. I think that, by and large, for, for most of the things that we would expect input, advice or opinion from the fans, it should be from anybody. Season ticket holder, the venture holder, even anyone on a database, right? And what we should do, we should know the difference. So I'm not saying wait the answers, right? But to be honest with you, if someone turns up for one game and says, I don't think we should drink beer in the stadium because I'm a Christian and I'm an you know, and my dad was an alcoholic and I think we should uh, not have drink. And then someone else says, well, I'm a raging pisshead and I want to, I only come for the beer and I don't want football. You know, you can start kind of like nasal glaving and get, get, getting into some stuff that you shouldn't really ask. But we should know what the fans think, right? We should know. Now, what's slightly changing is we have had, not many of late, but we have started to see a Don's Trust start to ask questions, right? Just general questionnaires, right? You know, what do you think about this? And, and I think we should do them all the time. And by the way, every summer we should get a monster one. Like, you know, like 800 page million questions. What do you think of everything? Like from top to bottom. And that should go to absolutely everybody because they're all stakeholders, right? And they're all supporters. I think the difference is there are some things when you ask questions that are proper sort of directional changes that has to have a bit of democracy around it. That yeah, has to that. be, right? There has to be some sort of platform for it where there are rules and sort of like regulations. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it should be kind of, so So as a member, you should expect to see all the information given to you, all the data, all the numbers, right? The pros and the cons of all the different ideas. And then you should be asked which ones you think you should take. So directional, big directional stuff should be down to the trust. Now, the bit that's interesting is when we talk about fan ownership, you ain't never going to change that unless you take over the trust. And I don't think you're going to. So I think Charlie touched on that. And I think sometimes it can sound like a bit, well, fuck you, as a reply. But ultimately, things, big things like that will only change the trust. Now, there are some things that you're never going to get through because you're never going to get the right amount of members in the door putting enough votes through. Stuff like changing the name of the football club. So, again, we're back to those sort of like different uh, age groups, right? When I designed the AFC Wimbledon crest, it had AFC Wimbledon at the top and Wimbledon at the bottom absolutely on purpose. Because my plan was always to change the name of Wimbledon and take AFC off the top. So the crest would hardly change, just the top would come off. But if I talked to my two kids and I said, right, we're having a vote, Wimbledon Football Club or AFC Wimbledon, I'd lose in this house because both of them would say we're AFC Wimbledon. Yeah. So you've got, so, but stuff like that, maybe that's not a great example, but big things like that, changing the name of the club, the colours. No, that's a great example. Play, that's a you know, great example. Who, who, owns, who owns the club? I don't think that can be down to the geezer that turns up, spends 300 quid, goes to potty, buys a scarf, fat, two shirts for his kids, rosette programme, watches a game and goes home. I'm not saying he's not important. Of course he's important. And you make a really good distinction. The guy who's direct debit ticks over, who lives in the middle of nowhere and did it because he thinks we're a good idea. You know, that's a lovely story, that. You then get on to a different thing where should we, how do we then engage those people? How do we get that guy who paid 25 quid and forgot about it? How do we, how do we get him to do more than just vote? Because on your chat with um, Charlie, you made a good point. They didn't all vote for the board. So they're not all engaged. 
So we've got groups of people that aren't engaged around their football club. So it, we should be looking to engage everybody as much at a time as we can. But the big structural stuff about ownership and finance and bits and pieces like that should be down to Don's Trust. There's one big standout point here, right? There is a big yellow and blue elephant in the room. We never got asked anything about Plough Lane before they built it. Did you, did you didn't get asked, did you? I didn't get asked as a Don's Trust member, as a fan, as a season ticket holder, as anything. No one, no one said, do you want free floors with a massive area for selling free course meals and, and fine wines? Or do you want a gigantic beer all? You know, or yeah, do you want... I, remember, I mean, I think we've been fortunate. Remember the blue and the yellow, and they were like, what do you think? That's the yeah. only thing and I remember. The stupid franchise fans tried to pretend that they voted, and that's how we got them. Idiots. Yeah, and, and for me, that felt a little bit... And the pub name, right? And yeah. The contentious pub name, right? Which everyone thought it was... Everyone thought they were defeating me. I honestly call it the pub, <laughs> and I would have called it the pub, whatever had come out of it, right? That was a different point. That was my point about saying people should know who Alan Batsford is, right? Rather than, and we used to have a pub called that. Really, you know, I go there every week. It doesn't bother, right? It really don't bother me, right? I go in there every week. Um, but yeah, those, those couple of those decisions felt a little bit to me like almost like a t- bit of a token gesture compared yeah. to some of the other stuff. I do think it's changing because I know enough people that work for the club now. I'm talking mainly about Bow now, the guy that's been brought in to sort of raise dough. Go on, Lee, sorry, mate. So I just wanted to uh, set with. Well, wrap it up a little bit now and then we'll come back and then we'll start we'll ask you some more questions because cool, right. 40 minutes we'll give it a little break and then when we come back we'll ask Mark some more questions uh, and we'll we'll get right into it again The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans We're back uh, and we're going to be speaking to Mark uh, regarding everything Wimbledon again. Uh, I've got a question, Mark. We, uh, You've obviously told this story a hundred times, but Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, how, obviously, how did it all come about? I know it was you, Ivar, Trev, but what, who, I know it's, if we, if they play on the streets, we'll watch them from the pavements. I know that's been said a few times, but did it not, did it go for your, did you ever think, what are we doing here? We're going to start a team from scratch. And how mad has it gone that we're in the Football League, Plough Lane, we've had some great managers, some great players over the years from literally having trials on Wimbledon Common. So from, from day one, what, what was the conversation? Well, this, is, this can't be a short answer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, none of them have been short answers, right? This one can't <laughs> yeah. be a short answer. So, so firstly... It was no single person's idea to start a new football club if we lost Wimbledon Football Club. And, you, and, and everybody knows that Wimbledon Football Club was threatened, its existence was threatened for ages, right? For years and years and years. Dublin, Basingstoke, you know, way before Milton Keynes. There was loads of that, right? So in place, you've got Wimbledon Independent Support Association who were kind of formed to, to, to organise the fans to all protest against all these mad schemes, right? And 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 the and the, and the bad ownership that, that we had at the time. Good on good on the pitch, right? But bad off the pitch. You know, from leaving Plough Lane, because we were gonna get a little window where we'd only pay rent and no, and we wouldn't have to pay any um ground maintenance, you know, and any developments to building a new stadium that never turned up and beyond. So 
you had wisdom in place, then the trust was formed. Now, this is interesting when you talk about why would you join a trust, etc. The trust was originally formed to be that organisation that could be not just perceived, but to be actually better organised and better run and more democratic than a supporters club, right, than the independent group. So the independent group were the people who would hang off the rafters and, and go potty and lie in the road and, do you know what I mean, and, and cause yeah. chaos. And then almost like on its shoulder is the trust saying, um, you know, you've got to remember, you've got to try and forget that the same people were kind of pretty much with two hats on, right? Yes, I was the geezer who ran across the pitch with a flare, do you know what I mean, and went potty. <laughs> and I'm also the guy who's trying to have a, a reasonable conversation with MPs and, and the like. Give it off a scarf so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so, so the... So the um, the trust was kind of formed to get a voice for the fans on the board of the football club. You know, most trusts were formed to get fan representation at ballroom level. That's what it was about. So we'd all get together. We'd vote for Lee to be the chair of the trust. And then he would go in the ballroom and sit with the rest of the football club board and talk on behalf of the fans. You know, and a shop steward or a union leader is a perfect example. Someone who would go in there with a mandate of the faults and the wishes of his membership and would argue for their rights and for, for what they wanted. So that was kind of like what we had already in place before the whole Milton Keynes thing got very, very realistic right, and very lightly. In terms of, so, so when that happened, right, it, it was year zero. A lot of clubs like Berry have not been as misfortunate, but at the same time not been as fortunate yeah. to add that gumper to their head, right? So, so I've got a mate who's Berry and he's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with, with um, AFC Berry. Like, there's only one Berry, I'm never going anywhere near it, right? And he, he don't go to their games and he, he's been to Stockport and floated around other places with his mates, right? Then I know another fella who's part of AFC Berry and he's totally like, that's shot, that's done. So we never had that because we didn't have two options, right? There weren't two Wimbledon, whatever some, a bunch of idiots up there think, right? There weren't two Wimbledon football clubs. They had no intent, intention of ever being anything to do with Wimbledon. Yep. So that was a very sort of like single issue. It was like being Cunes on Saturday or Garden Centre or go and watch a football club playing as close to Wimbledon as he can, being as much like Wimbledon. My own version of, you know, what made me kind of go, let's go for it. We'd had, we'd had a meal with Sam and Man years ago. A group of us, me, uh, Lee Willett was there, Lawrence Lown, who was who started WISA, um, Xavier, who's obviously now chair of the, co-chair of the trust. And it was a case of keep your enemies closer than your friends. And he took us for a meal in Wimbledon and he was like, Right, if we go to Dublin, we're all going to Dublin, yeah? And we just literally <laughs> sat there with him. And we were uh, like... No. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not, mate. Be the like, room, yeah, mate. I'm the father. Yeah, yeah, I'm the father the of the club. Move your around the, the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the father of the club and you're the children. Yeah, I remember that. we're moving to Dublin, you're coming with me. And I'm like, mate, don't work like that. I said, like, I'll fly from Dublin to Wimbledon, but I ain't going any other way. Like, how can you not see that don't make any sense? It'd be brilliant. You know, imagine, imagine how much fun we'll have over there. It'd be party. And I was like, yeah, it will be brilliant, but it won't be Women Football Club. Right? If you want to start franchising in football, if you want to make it like moving the LA Raiders or, you know, like getting a football, you know, an NFL team and shoving it somewhere else and saying, it's going to be mental that we built a big stadium. and Because that's literally what it is. It is a franchise, right? That's what ended up happening. So we said to him at the time, as early as that, and that was seller in the, you know, seller's days, and, and before it got really serious, this is Dublin, of course, right? So this is what I'm saying. It's not even as close as before, yeah. Milton Keynes. This could happen, right? This is still when it's like a, a, a man. We generally just didn't get it, Mark. Just didn't. It didn't it, even. No, I'll wow. tell you how much he didn't get because he said, "Well, what would you do then?" And we said, "We'll start another football club called Wimbledon." Yeah. 
and we'll play like we'll play in whatever league we have to get in. And it was off the cuff. There was no plans. It was no one's idea. It belonged to everybody. Do you know what I mean? It was just a general musing. It was a bit yeah. like, you know, what would you do if you couldn't get home at night? I'm nick a car, right? It was just some sort of like idea that someone sort of said out loud and everyone else repeated it. But he said, oh, if you ever did, well, if that, if it comes to that, I'll pay for it. You can have the money for the football club. I'll set it up. Obviously, we're all still waiting for the money, right? <laughs> yeah, where is it? We've got a stadium to right? pay for, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, Lane Bond 2 I, is I, entirely sad. I'm, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm willing to... Yeah, I don't know how much money he's got in the bond. <coughs> he can put it all in there if he wants. Yeah. He, he must have walked off with about 30 mil, didn't he? Something like that. So we'll and and he'd done the same at Cardiff. Exactly, right? So, so there was... Everything kind of lined up for it to be a thing. So when it says there were four people that started it, yeah, there were four people that got together in, a, in, in either's factory the day of that decision and said, right, what can we do? How can we do it? But for me, there was a, there was a moment, right? And, and this is probably why I am so happy at Plough Lane, even when we haven't won a game for donkeys, right? Even when we're struggling uh, to get back into the zip and the panache that we had at the start of the season. So after we needed to get a result against uh, Villa at Sailors Park, I don't know how far back you two go. John Artson, Tintin ran on the pitch, right. didn't he? he? got the shirt, that's what I remember. Tintin got the shirt and I got arrested, yeah. We both got <laughs> arrested. So I think it was about 80, 80 to 150. Old. It was a fair, fair whack of people on the pitch, right? Yeah. But I, I was sitting there like I don't know, 18 points of industrial strength lager in because we'd all been in a folly before, you know, like nerves jangling. Yep. And after we scored that goal, we weren't even after the goal winning, right? After he scored the goal, I went, I'm getting on the pitch at the end of the game. And everyone was like, what are you going to do that for? I was like, I don't know. I'm getting on the pitch. And I just ran on the pitch. I, I leapt over the ad boards. I went around about two or three, to my memory, two or three stewards. Thought I was doing really well. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, right? You ain't never, you'll never, you'll never get your head around how big a football pitch is till you jump on one. <laughs> like, during, when there's a crowd there, right? I know we've all been on football pitches. But like you get on your like, I thought I'd be in the halfway line by now. I'm still in the penalty area. Then I got crashed <laughs> to the floor, nicked right, and dragged out. So we got put in a cell and I got let out of Fort Neath Nick at about three o'clock in the morning. I had no idea where I was. I had a stinking hangover and I was like, right, I'm going to call. I'm going to get a year's ban from every single football match on the planet. I'm not going to be able to go to football anymore. That, that, that doesn't sound good. Turn the corner and Sellers Park was there. You know, I had no idea where I was, right? Turn the corner, Sellers Park, and I'm like, well, I ain't going to miss this shit out. Do you know what I mean? I don't care about coming here. It doesn't bother me that I'm not coming to Sellers Park. The manager thinks I'm an idiot. He don't want to know. Do you know what I mean? You're joking here, running around at the time, calling us all idiots. I'm like, I'm not sure all the players really care about the fans. So why, why am I bothered? Right? And then I realised I'm bothered because I won't see my mate, who's one of them. Most of my mates were Wimbledon fans, right? But also, it's that thing we do, you know, like every week or every other week, we all get together, we all go and have a shared experience. And that becomes like the fabric for our lives. So at weddings, funerals, summer parties, yeah, go on, Lee. Sorry, I'm just nodding along with what you're saying. It's 100%. Excuse me, most of them ain't the footballists. I said earlier when we were off air kind of thing, it's the weekend in Frankfurt that I had, which is one of my greatest memories of watching Wimbledon, is going abroad to watch Wimbledon play and standing in with underhatching fans, uh, not under, who was it, off and back fans, just going mental. And uh, yeah, and like Cholton on the weekend, all the boys got a boat down to Cholton 
can't remember most of the game, but they literally add memories that will last forever just by being with your mates and being with people that are from all walks of life. But it's that one thing at the end of the day that brings you back and it's Wimbledon. Totally right. So, so I got that kind of like, you know, filmic moment of like, you know, act the beginning of act two. And now he's, you know, starts off seeing everyone going potty at football and how much fun they're having. Then you get that bit in the movie script where it goes and you can't go anymore. Right. As it happens, we got off at court, but, and I did go. Right? <laughs> but to my head, I'm like, it made me kind of like zoom out and go, why does this matter to me? What's so great about it? Apart, apart from watching football and, and that, you know, being behind a football club, right? What else does it mean to me? And how important is that bit of it? And so when it came to your football club's gone, I was running around saying to people, let's go again. Let's just do it again. Let's be called Wimbledon. Let's get a blue and yellow kit. Let's put Wimbledon on it. Let's find a pitch. Let's get 11 geezers to run around behind the ball. And let's all go and have a pint and stand there and enjoy it. And people were like, well, that'd be shit. And I'm like, oh, pr- trust me, it won't be, right? It will be, we'll find something in it. There's lo- uh, now, it had to happen straight away, by the way, because if we'd have waited a year, it would have been no, such totally a hard sell. The momentum would have died big time. Yeah, the Sutton game was an outpouring, right? The Sutton game was almost like... I was going to ask right. you, Mark, on this. I was going to ask you, what was your expectation before that Sutton game? And what was it like when you turned up and it was absolutely packed? It had already been mags. We were selling season tickets left, right and centre. And people were like coming in and going, he's 250 quid and we don't even know where we're going to play football yet or who we're playing against or, you know, people. I'll tell you what it was like, right? It was almost like you've been living at home with your mum and your brother and your old man comes home, beats you up every weekend, right? Don't shoot your mum around the house and beats you and your brother up, right? And I'm talking about the, you know, the way we were mistreated by owners. And then, and then you leave home and you go and live in an hostel around the corner. You're like, well, it ain't what we had. It's definitely better than it's definitely better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're definitely not under the cosh anymore. And that's what I'm saying about that fan ownership thing, right? So forget that that fan ownership thing in the original bit of AFC Wimbledon. Because bear in mind, there weren't people running around going, join the trust, it's brilliant, owning a football club. They just wanted football. You know, even Chris, you know, the co-chair of the current trust, I just want to watch football. He didn't stand up and say, I want to form a fan-owned football club that would right all the wrongs and all the ills in the game. And that was kind of like a given and a bit of a side order. He just wanted to watch football. But what he didn't add to that comment was, I want to watch football and I want to enjoy it. And I don't want anyone else to be able to stop it being fun. I don't want anyone to take it away from me again. Do you know what I mean? I want it to be mine. So it's about that. I want to find joy and I want to find fun in it. And I want it to be safe. And that's what the trust is, right? Trust ownership, fan ownership says it's good, isn't it? And even when it ain't that great, it's still ours and it can't be taken off of us. That's why it's important. That's why it matters. Because if we chase that, let's be Man City, let's be Newcastle. I saw an article earlier on, Newcastle fans saying, I hope we don't leave St. James's Park. How mad is that? They're meant to be one of the richest clubs in the world. And now they're going, you know, if the owners go, well, this ain't big enough, we can't develop this enough, we're going to move 30 miles up the road. It's going to be like Arsenal. We went Arsenal, right? How bad was that? Was well, I don't it was... It was horrendous. Mate, I've never been more disappointed in my life. I was like, every single time we're in a pot with Arsenal, I'm like, get the Arsenal game. Yep. It's 100%. close. We'll take yep. loads. We'll get dough. I went in there, right? I come home and just, regardless of the result, I come home and just thought, what a shit house. Hated every minute of it. It was awful, mate. It was it was absolutely terrible. I enjoyed it more at Accrington, mate. But I've got a couple of memories of when, when Wimbledon first started well AFC Wimbledon uh, Sutton I walked into Sutton and I said to Paul McMillan and people I was with I was like 
I can't, this ain't, I can't stand this. I can't watch this. I can't come to grounds like this when I've been going to Nottingham Forest and big grounds and stuff like that. And by the end of it, I'm on the pitch hugging some of the players that were playing and that was it. Loved it. One of my other memories, I was, I think it was a pre-season and it was, I think it was Dulwich Hamlet or someone like that. And you sponsored the game. And you could believe that. We sponsored the same first game. Yeah, we sponsored the same first game of the season, four of us. It was about uh, 50 quid per year. <laughs> yeah, including a mate, Paul Willits, who's not, who's not with us anymore. Bless him, he never got a chance to go into Plough Lane. Um, yeah, we sponsored it as the uh, the non-League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And we our logo on the programme was was no MK. You know, like they'd go MK on their shirts. Yeah, I phoned them up and said, we'd like to sponsor the game. And they were like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, have, have you got a bar? Not really. What have you got? We've got a porter cabin. Can we go in there at half time and have a pint? If we sponsor the game, yeah, all right then. Yeah, I think we paid about five hundred quid between the four of us. Might have even been less. Yeah, but yeah, no. Originally, right? I've just said yeah, no there, and that drives me mad when the players say that in all their interviews. <laughs> it's catching. Yeah, no. <laughs> I called that off of Rob Tuvey. Um I think you're right. It was fun and it was exciting, but there was a large part of me on that early journey of thinking, right? When's this going to start feeling? It was different to what we had, right? Yeah. And like you, I did want to go to those bigger grounds. And I did want to... I remember saying, I think it turned for me, right, when we started playing teams away and the name of the team was the same name as the train station. That's when oh, we right. were doing well. So right? What, so what, you get a train to somewhere and get off and go, excuse me, mate, where's having a Worcestershire stick, you know, and Worcestershire sauce, <laughs> you know? Where's 15, 2000? And they <laughs> right, go... I've never heard of it, mate. And then you turn the corner and it was there. You know, it was like the geezer lives next door to me and donates there. So, so I think, yeah, there was that outpouring, but yeah, I'm not sure where we got to now. Like, I, had all that, over the place, didn't I we? had that moment where I was, I was a Wimbledon fan and then obviously the AFC stuff came along and I, I went to the Sutton game. I went with dad and, and bizarrely the first game of Chipsy, one of the lads at our school, I think he was playing or was involved. And I remember talking to the guys like, this is good, but it's not quite... It's so hard to kind of say it's the same, it's having an X and then going, oh, it's exactly the same. But I remember the first time I was playing someone like Kyle Shorten, which was a team that we I kind of knew before. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now I kind of feel like we're on something because we weren't playing Merstham or Chalfont St. Peter or Ash or, you know, it was like teams I could actually like understand and be like, okay, I kind of, they were up the road from me, so I kind of know they existed. Um, and from that moment on, yeah, I kind of, I do feel like I'm now an AFC Wimbledon fan, not a Wimbledon fan, which is a big call. But um, yeah, I, I was just, I'm just interested from your angle, Mark, in terms of where you envisaged it back then and where we are now. And is there much displacement in that? Or is it kind of got the same kind of ethos that, because I know you're very modest about this and I know Lee's desperate to jump in, but, you know, <laughs> at the same time, you, you, you must have, created this you created it as an opportunity but you must have had aspirations as to what it would feel like i'm just interested as to does it have the same kind of feel that you were trying to trying to create at the beginning or are we now has that have we grown out of what you thought it would be no i think in a weird way we've almost grown into what i wanted it to be you know oh, fantastic it's, it's <clears throat> i think we went we managed to keep, it's almost like we kept a little flame going on the beach. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't let that go out. If it rains tonight and that goes out, we'll freeze to bits, right? You know, a bit like when you see these survival things. It's like, keep the fire burning, whatever you do. 
And I think that's what we did, right? We kept that flame flickering along. And some people come along and go, that ain't a fire. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a little burning ember. And it was kind of like, it, it kind of is. Do you know what I mean? It, I mean? Who knows where it will go from here? It might stay like yeah. that. It might get bigger. It might, it might get bigger and get smaller again. Um, and I'm hoping we don't ever go back down. Do you know what I mean? But so far, it's been just a, a you know, one way sort of rise. Even, even though we've, you know, trod water a little bit and started a little bit. bit. You know, in in the league, um, no, I, it's weird, right? Because I think if you say something often enough, you can convince yourself of it, and then you start thinking, "Did I always think that, or did I just keep saying it to myself?" But I was on the Don's Trust board when there were plans for redeveloping Kings Meadow and staying at Kings Meadow forever, right? There were meetings where the trust was saying, "We can't have a tools, you know, we can't ride two horses. We've got to pick one. We should pick Kingston. It's more likely." And I was like, no, that ain't happening, mate. Like, even if it takes 100 years, we belong in Wimbledon. We should not do anything at Kingston that stops that happening. So if we'd have gone and built a 10,000-seat stadium, you know, let's say we'd taken over the Athletic Stadium and we'd redeveloped that and then moved in and given the Athletic Stadium King's Meadow. Let's say we'd have done that, right? You're never going back to Wimbledon after that. You're too, too deep. Maybe we'd have sold it to Chelsea ladies, right? But for me, it was kind of like, let's not do anything that puts a dead end at the end of that road. You know what I mean? It stops us going home. However unlikely it is, I know I haven't got the money. There were people on the Dance Trust board, who I've not seen at Plowland yet, but I'm looking forward to reminding them that they said it. They said, well, I don't know about you, Mark, but I ain't got £20 million down the back of my city, so I don't know how you think we're going to do that. And I'm like, oh, I've got no idea how we're going to do it, mate. I'm not saying I know how we're going to do it. I'm saying we should want to do it. So in answer to your question, did I think it would feel good? Yeah, I knew it would feel better than not having a football club, and that was enough. But now we're at Plough Lane. It, I mean, like, actually stop and think about it, right? Yeah, you ain't won for 11 games. You bothered. I'm like, I'd rather have won them, but I still can't wait for the next home game. Yeah. I still can't wait to walk over the road, you know, have a pint, walk down Aidens Road and go to the football match. And hopefully we'll win. And I think, again, we're in like a perfect storm. And I'm now bumping in other stuff. But we're, in a, we're at the beginning of, of what feels like if we're patient and we, and, and we actually step back and have a think about it. You know, listen to this and then have a little think about what we've got. And it ain't the best, most dashing, exciting football. It ain't got the best results yet. But as we all said earlier on, it's getting better, right? It's getting better by the week. It's getting better by the week. Yeah. It just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. You know, like, I remember thinking, start of the season... Oh, if we sell out Plough Lane three or four times, that'd be mental. Like every week now, I'm like, where are all these people coming from? Like, do you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it is the archetypal self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? If you build it, they will come and they're coming. Uh, I, I think I think Charlie hit, it, hit the nail on the head last week when he said that the the best time Wimbledon fans is when they're told they can't do something. And I think when when we first started in the early years, we always had rivalries like we had Fisher. There was always teams who'd go out and spend fortunes. And go well. You're not going to go up now because we're like we've we had with Dean in our league, Wallingford, Fisher Athletic, Bromley, uh, Staines. They all go out and try and spend above us and try and be. And then when we got into the conference, we had Luton's, Plymouths, all these teams that are Crawleys and stuff who said you can't do it. And then when when Plough Lane was looking to happen, we had all the re- some residents who said no, it's not going to happen. The flood, blah blah. Yeah, you know I mean, and now the residents and the local community are right on board with it. And I think. When you go to Plough Lane and you look and you see people you've never seen before, I, I actually love that. I think it's brilliant. There's people where we stand in the East Stand where we try and make it a little bit rowdy and a little bit noise. 
and they get involved. And that's what I love the most is people just come in and get involved. And who's going to go to football and have a Bodine's at half time? Do you know what I mean? It just blows my mind. The, the one thing, I know we we give the club a little bit of stick and we we can put them down on some things, but one thing I think they have got right is Plowline. It's just the pub, the, the the club shop, the the food, everything is on point at the moment. It's only going to get better. Go on, Dan. I think, I think it's good. I mean, the question I had to Mark was obviously we've spoken about. You've, it's it's really heartwarming and and it's really interesting to hear the positivity that you talk about and and your your clarity and and the message that you're giving us fans. I'm just curious as to at what point in our journey was you at? Hold on, hold on a minute. This was there. There must have been a moment where you were really sceptical or something must have happened and you thought, Jesus Christ, we're in the shit here or is this something that's going to, are we going to be able to do it? I'm just curious on that journey, whether it's now, whether it's, you know, when we first started, what was the moment, your lowest point when you thought, hold on a minute, this is quite tricky. There must have been some. I think there was a lot of frustration around, when I was on the Don's Trust board, I found it massively frustrating. They were like, to just kind of like give you some idea about how far away Plough Lane was at that point. Yeah. There weren't even a consensus in the room that we should do it if it was available. There were people saying there ain't nowhere, and they were right at that point. There were people saying, how are we going to pay for it? And they, you could, they could argue they'd still be improved, right? Yeah. You know, we're still, we're still looking for the money, right, to, yeah. to put the proper light bulbs in where we need them and all that sort of bit, right? But there were people sitting there saying, why should we do it? Like, well, I don't want to be in Wimbledon. I mean, even when Plough Lane got approved, there were people online saying, I'm going to miss King's Meadow, we should have stayed there. I'm like, are you mental? <laughs> like, I understand you might not have ever been to a proper home game, right? But the difference between walking into King's Meadow and walking to Plough Lane is unbelievable because we are Wimbledon's football club and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. The amount of people in it, around in Wimbledon now they're getting drawn in, buying season tickets. How do I get... I'm constantly getting asked, how do I get a ticket, mate? I mean, I'll be honest, I wish I knew the answer a bit easier than I do. We are getting better at that. I am seeing the club now saying yeah. tickets available, right? Like Lee's saying, things are, things are improving. And, and I think even if the club haven't got it right, we've, we're managing to get a few people around the place that are actually listening. So, you know, like the queues are getting better. We've got yeah. more beers on offer. Oh, you know, it, Plough Lane ain't going to get any worse than it is, and it's already it's already amazing, right? It's only going to get better. It's yep. only going to get better. So, in terms of dark points, I would probably say when I was sat in a ballroom with people who were there to represent the fans, and there were people sitting there around that table saying we should stay in Kingston, or at, at you know that's at worst, and then the next stage on from that was uh, I don't get it. I mean, there were people arguing with me. We, you know, one of our, we had aims, right? We had 10 aims. One of them was the famous mad one of back in the league within 10 years, we did it nine. One of the other aims on there was uh, to return to a stadium, something along the lines of from our original community or, or, or something along those lines. There were yeah. people splitting ears over, oh, but what does that mean? Our community is now Kingston. We're a Kingston club now. And I'm like, we're not a Kingston. The clue's in the name. If you want to call us, if you want to merge with Kingstonian, right, and be Kingston United or Kingston Dons, Go ahead and do it. I'll give you a little pat on the back. I'll see you later. I'm off. It's not for, It's not why we did it, right? So that was definitely the lowest point. A lot of stars aligned in terms of the, what the council did, people at the club moving around behind the scenes, uh, people who were kind of like pushing from their own directions. But it, it weren't a foregone conclusion that everyone wanted to go back to Wimbledon. 
It's mostly it hard, Mark. Like, literally, you, you've had a mindset that you just said, this wasn't what this was about. And it's one of those weird ones. You probably had a, you know, you had like a little acorn. And as it gets bigger, you've got to have more stakeholders who come from different backgrounds and different ideals and different nationalities, or if you like, and different kind of perspectives. And all of a sudden, it's so easy to see what the straight line that you technically had, it starts to branch and fray. And, you, you know, as you were just saying, you, you, were, you were adamant that we were doing this because you wanted to have a club in Merton. And here you go five, six years down the line and people are talking about never going back. It must be really hard to kind of stay steadfast and watch potentially the thing that you kind of, one of the key characteristics of why you did it, subtly move direction. That must have been very, um, a very interesting headspace for you. It was empowering because there was a meeting where the, it was a meeting that the Don's Trust had asked us to back putting in a local community officer to work with schools. You know, I mean, like, this sounds mad now. A, I'm talking about a person. I mean, the foundation work is mind-blowing, right? D-Lag and all that sort of stuff. Almost seems to have come out of nowhere. And D-Lag obviously did come out of nowhere overnight, right? But the foundation, you know, I mean, it was, a, I don't know if you saw it today, it was a thing today with a load of um, women that you would never expect to see in a football stadium, all on tour of Plough Lane, all coming to a game. Yeah, like so. they're going to come to a game. And I'm like, right. And, and I'm genuinely, the proper choked me up seeing that. I'm like, this is why we did it. This is why we did it. Because why, then they were never going to go to Kings Meadow. They don't care about King, Milton Keynes. Like, they don't care about Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? And the, by the way, they may well do that in their local community, right? I don't know. But I'm saying what we've got is a club now that is doing that sort of thing. So they said we wanted to start a community officer and we can only get one. So we'll put them in Kingston. And then there was something along the lines of to the understanding that it would possibly harm our chances of going back to Merton. It was the first public kind of admission of there are two options. You know, there are two roads. And we've got one car and it's got to turn left or right. Whereas up till then, we've been going down the road before the fork in the road. You know what I mean? We're on the motorway. We haven't got to the roundabout. We're heading in one direction. Um, we're on this road because this is the road we're on. And then we'll see where we end up. And then we got to a bit where it said, turn left for Merton, turn right for Kingston. And the trust said, we would like you to all vote to turn right. And I was like, this can't happen. It's a similar sort of reaction to what happened with the Plough Lane bomb, the first one, right? Enough people kind of spotted it and went, are you sure? And I went to the South London Press. That's how long ago it was. People still read newspapers, right? <laughs> but I went to the South London Press and said, anyone who's a women fan who's got a Don's Trust vote needs to come to this meeting because, you know, Unless you've got absolutely nothing on for the rest of your life, you ain't going to volunteer to go to a Don's Trust meeting, right? They're not, it's not even as good as your school disco, right? They are terrible places to go, right? So I was like, you've got to come to this meeting. And that's the first time that I can really remember where the, where the Don's Trust board got a bloody nose, where the fans said, nope, you're going wrong, right? No, not left, right. So, yeah, I've never really sort of thought about, was it a low point? It was almost like a low point and a high point, you know, it was yeah. like Lee said, you know, it was a crisis point. It was... It's a moment of clarity, isn't it? Like, moment of clarity. Yeah, yeah absolutely, right? Polarisation. It was like, you know, shit, I'll get off the pot. It was like, Kingston or Merton? It was like, well, Merton, right? Now, the difference is, when you're saying about that vision, I never had the, I never had the answers. Well, that, ain't, that ain't me, right? I'll make the flag and run down the road and go, follow me. And then when we get to where we're going, I'll stick it in the ground and they go, oh, did you say we're going to build a fort? I'm like, 
well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? But I ain't got no bricks. You know, that ain't what I do. You know, I'm a cheerleader. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a gobby. I'm a big mouth, right? Someone else comes in and does the numbers. Someone else comes in and does the paperwork. I just go, this sounds like a good idea. Do you agree? And, and that's what's amazing about where we are now and, and what Player Lane is about. It's like you said, all those different kind of like, you know, tiny little rivers moving into the sea. You know, it ain't about four people who started the club. It ain't about one football manager. It's none of that. It's everybody. It's nothing if it isn't everything. Do you know what I mean? One question before we kind of wrap up, because we are getting on with time. Uh, and this is a question that's been asked through a lot of the WhatsApp groups I'm in. But and I don't know the reaction I'm going to get from it from you two. Lee, we're but... all in WhatsApp groups, mate. You ain't got to go on about it. Crikey. Right, but it's... What's going on? Right. <laughs> all Christ the rivers. Put them into the sea, Lee. Put them into the sea. Mark said it. Right. Is, is Milton Keynes the best thing to ever happen to us? Yeah, dead simple answer. Yeah, totally, right? You can't... So now I'm going to get really preposterous, right? There's a Steve Jobs talk that he does, right? Look it up on YouTube. You won't be able to find it. He said, he said like, an, like an address that he does to a college. And he talks about when he was at school and when he left school and da 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 But what is brilliant, it's really good. But there's one bit in, he says in it where he says he was doing stuff as he went along in his life and he didn't really understand it or it didn't make much sense till he looked back over his shoulders and you can only join the dots in the rear view mirror. You can't always plot where you're going to go next. Yeah. But you can look behind you and go, oh, that's why I'm here. This is how I got here. And if we ain't in our own stadium, in Plough Lane, with a manager that, trust me, absolutely adores the place, loves the place. Mate, the geezer's a Chelsea fan. Home and away. When, you know when that Mark made that comment recently about, yeah, well, fans do get wet. And I know Lee was like, Fucking, what's he talking about? And I'm like, as it happens, if you if he said that during the pub, you wouldn't have blinked. You'd have gone, fair enough. I know you would have done. I know you'd have just gone, yeah, that's it, mate. It's like there ain't no game. When I buy, if you buy a ticket to an away game, you don't come for guarantee you're gonna even <laughs> play decent football, let alone win a game, right? So his answer was a very honest football fan answer. Well, fans get wet at away games, right? It's cold and it's a long way from home. And right, so I'm just <laughs> saying that guy gets it, right? So what we've got, if you sit back again. If you zoom out and you go, what actually have we got? It is, it's different gear. And it, but we got there because of what happened on the way. So if we hadn't have had that, maybe we could stay at Kingston. We might not have got the pressure on Merton. We might not have got certain people. If the, if the trust didn't say maybe we should sell the club, we wouldn't have got more fans involved and more. And, and the concept of fan ownership wouldn't have been, again, polarised for everyone to look at in more black and white terms. What does it mean? What doesn't it mean? So you're absolutely right. Did, I, did we enjoy it? Did I enjoy my son coming home from school saying, my football courses, Wimbledon have cancelled my football course, we ain't getting a refund. Like, where's my football team gone? You know, I was going to do after school. They literally just stopped it. No, no money back. And if you just like, oh, no, hang on this week, it's done. That's before they left. That's when they got the decision and they just, you know, they just pulled the ladder up. No, yeah, that's it. They just severed the ties, right? So, yeah, without that, without that three-man commission, we wouldn't be... We are in a better place than we were. That's why I don't really care about them. And I don't really... I'm not interested in... I don't even really get into the whole, um, you know, never forgive, never forget. I'm like, it's what it is, man. Like, where we are now is so much better than where we were. Yeah, move on. Yeah, I, I, can't right? I mean, we I know we ain't got Robbie L, but we might have. Do you know what I mean? Robbie L might be 14 years old playing for us already. 
we just got to try and hang on to him if we do get him. Or we'll turn into Leo Castle then, right, and go to Chelsea. Yeah, well, but we might have know. him. We might have him. No, I got I got a lot of stick for that comment I made when Robbo said you get wet because people said stop acting like a wet wipe. But yeah, I get a lot of stick anyway. Well, so. he did say he was a wet wipe. I know he didn't say he was getting wet. It's uh, <laughs> not a say, right? I saw you. I saw you acting, and I know you. And I know that if he said that to you standing in front of you, you'd you'd have took it totally differently, right? Now, it wouldn't have been via the medium of the internet and you going, hang on a minute. This this is where I think sometimes the club falls down is in the commercial side and not the commercial side but maybe the correspondence is I think they kind of stick not stitch Robbo up so much because as you said if he's in a pub and someone went up to him and had an honest and said look Mark this ain't good enough I thought we were shit today he'd come back with an honest answer and he's always like me and Danny I spoke to him a few times I spoke to him today and he's always honest and I, I think he's brilliant I've, I've spoke to him in the bar many times when he was youth coach and going through the ranks but I think we're He'd love to speak to the fans more, get more fan involvement, like open days and stuff like that. But I think maybe the club with COVID kind of ruins it as well a little bit, where we can't get too many people down at training grounds. We can't get too many people down at Plough Lane, like the red zones. Like As I said, we haven't had any of the CCL boys, the Roman One boys, any of them come down to the games unless they come and buy tickets themselves. Like John Main was around the game the other day, but he had to get... We've not had that where we can celebrate our past as well with regards to... AFC Wimbledon and Wimbledon and I think the, the correspondence could be better and I think they could be better with regards to what Robbo's trying to achieve I think I think you're right I think it is getting better I know Mark wants to increase those bonds because if you care about those players and you actually genuinely know they care about you you ain't going to you ain't going to scream at Anthony Eigen you ain't going to I mean that's I just don't get that at all right Danny. it's one thing screaming at a, it's one it's one thing getting the arsehole with, with a footballer who's on four or five grand a week and he's and gets injured when he feels like it, right? And goes missing. But that ain't Anthony Eigen, right? So I think it will get better. I think you're right. COVID absolutely battered it, right? All the plans that you might have had, you know, even opening player lane. And I feel for Glyn, right? Glyn's, Glyn's obviously coming back with Donny. You know, that's a geezer with a heart full of love for this football club who didn't get to walk out in front of the fans. I really hope he gets a little stroll on the pitch when we play him and gets a, gets a round of applause he deserves. Regardless of how it ended, regardless of his results, Regardless of the sort of football we played, that's, he's one of the family, right? And that's what we are. We are a family. And you, I think sometimes Mark's a bit too honest and a bit upfront, but I think he's got better. And I, and I do think that I will give him a nod here that without sort of like sending his head too big, I think Chris has done a really good job of interviewing Mark and asking him questions like a fan. And he hasn't gone in there and thought, what would the club ask? He's gone in there and thought, I've got something I want to know the answer to. And we're getting, and by the way, that's kind of where we got with that. Will fans get wet, right? Because he was talking to him like a mate and like a football fan. You know, so you only get these geezers, you know, these keyboard warriors, you know what they're like. They go mental on the internet, you know, it's all, you know, it's all. Chris, Chris ain't going to be able to get out his head out of the freaking ground now. You said that, do you know what I mean? His head's going to be absolutely huge now. You know but he's also shit at winding like... people up about transfers, right? And getting people wanting to <laughs> chase him out of town. For a, no, for a contract extension, he totally done Paul Callenby up with that one, didn't he? I felt bad because we said that. I felt bad for Paul because everyone thought, and then everyone was like, "Oh, fuck yeah, it's only Paul K signing a new contract." Where everyone would have should have been going, "Oh, amazing, Paul K signing a new contract." Everyone was like, "I oh, know, oh. I know." I think I think he knows that, but yeah, if he said gets too big, he should remember that. Yeah, right, yeah. But Mark, thank you, um, thank you so much for speaking just about about the formation of the ones. And I know you are modest, but there are a number of people who 
frankly, are living a really good life, going to the games on Saturday, catch up with people they want to do and having a beer. And whether you like it or not, you've played a very, very important part of that, as have we all. But I hope one day you what you have done, you'll just sit with a, something red or something nice and just sit there and go, do you know what? Yeah, I did something all right. So thank you very much for sharing the stories. And um, yeah. Thank you very much on behalf of everyone. It's been fantastic. I think, I think you've been spot on tonight with regards to, you said, like, take a step back and have a look at what has been achieved. So look at Plough Lane. Look at some of the players that we have got, the A.O. Vassells, the McCormicks that we're getting from. George Marsh has been a revelation in the last few weeks. He's a player that's come from high pedigree at Spurs and he's picked to play for Wimbledon, the Woodyards. The things that we have done throughout the, the last whatever years it is, it's, it's, it's made, I think that's the thing. I need to do more is take a step back and think, actually, this is an amazing, what we've got is an amazing, like, it's just amazing. <laughs> and I think <laughs> we are. I think we do, Lee. I mean, the one thing I would say is that as whether, whether I think what, what we do on, on the pod is give an opinion of where we're feeling at a time and we yeah, talk about the game. I think if you, if, if anyone met us or we, you know, we come to our non-existent annual curry that we'll probably have this year, that when we actually, when you cut through and actually speak to us, we are very like-minded. That's the reason why we're both probably, well, you, you, it's your pod and I help you out. But we are very like-minded in terms of the way we've obviously viewed Wimbledon, what we view it as and what we'd like to see going forward. It's just on that, on those match days, it's just, it is so frustrating, particularly with this group who I, who I genuinely believe have got the ability if, and again, I don't think we'll keep them all together, but I think we've got the ability to, to be slightly higher up and, and to be a bigger force than what we are on a Saturday. But as Mark said, maybe, you know, that isn't, that's the cherry on the top. And it is right. You know, I go to Saturday, I go pie mash with my dad. I catch up with him about my brother in Australia and everything else. And we, then we go and watch a game of football. We chat about it for 10 minutes on the bus back. And then it's like, right, well, what are you doing in the week? It's sort of, uh, it, yeah, it's lovely. I will add, right, I will just sign off with this. It, it don't remove your right to go, we were shit today, right? You are allowed to, to not, you know, you ain't got to turn up and go, oh, he's so cool here, isn't he? Oh, we just got beat 6 <laughs> 0. Never mind. I've had a lovely pint of beer. We've all had a nice day, haven't we? You don't mean that, right? But what it does mean is just check your head because it can be counterproductive if it spills over. Yeah. Right? If the manager is thinking, like, I ain't going to have time to put this right. Because the one thing that was wrong about us, right, was we had no real plan. We had no strategy. We'd get a manager in, he'd get us to do something, he'd run out of ideas, we'd get rid of him, and we'd start all over again. And I was saying this to a Sunderland fan on Saturday. You need to know what you're supposed to be doing. It shouldn't matter who the manager is. I like to think the next three managers are already at the club. When Robbo goes, it should be someone already working at the football club. right? It shouldn't just be, we're going to go, like Neil Harris is going to do a good job at Gillingham. Right? He's going to come in and they're going to look, they're going to look, look like a proper side and he's going to get them to, 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 like, to knuckle down a little bit and they'll be a bit more accountable. right? But is, that, is that the grand scheme what, for the next 20 years? Until Neil Harris goes somewhere else. Then they'll go again. Then they'll start over. Whereas what we're trying to do, what Mark's trying to achieve, is build something lasting so that when he ain't here, when I ain't here, when you ain't here, it's still the Wimbledon way. Because the bit that we all talk about, you know, when I go like Wimbledon play a certain sort of football, I'm talking about 1984. Do you know what I mean? That's how long we've had a certain way of doing things. And I think we are genuinely at the start of the next little chapter. The bit that would help is if we got a little bit of a bit more of an idea about how well the club think we're doing with it. I'd love to get Mark and say to him, how do you know we're on track? Yeah. What tells you we're on track? What's your, what's and what your, does it look like in the next yeah. stage? Yeah, because I'm worried, right? That if we get two or three players that are decent and they go in the summer, 
Do we go back to what we were at the beginning of this season? Are we constantly going to be starting over? I guess the argument will be the ones that don't go. So let's say Ayub and Rudy went and Anthony stayed. You'd like to think that Anthony would be a better player next season, right? The more Mark works with them, the more they get what's going on. But that, that ain't a given, is it, right? Yeah. It's just a case of you give a player a 10-year deal and, and, and by year six, he's amazing and he keeps getting better and better and better. Some people don't, do they? We've got I think we, we, we need that comms, right? I know comms is a, thrown, a word thrown around easily by everybody, right? But what we need to do is we just need to keep reminding everybody, what's the master plan and are we doing all right? Yeah, and that's what they zooming out is, right? Let's zoom out on everything. Is that is that going all right? Is that going to plan? You know, like when the when the when the pub was a nightmare, and there was like, and it weren't working, and then they said we're getting it sorted. By the ones are coming in, they're going to sort the pub out. Mate, day one it was better. Day day two it was better. That's mm. all it is. You just got to keep. You've got to move in the same direction, but everybody needs to know why we're going in that direction. Then they'll do it, right? Not so yeah, it is great, but it don't mean you can't have a football opinion. It just don't let it turn into something you throw at someone and make it harder for them to do their job. That's all yeah. it is, isn't it? And I, I, I think where Mark came out the other day, he was quite honest with his ratings off the pitch, nine on the pitch, only a five at the moment. And I, yeah, I think, spot on. I, I think uh, yeah, I mean, Danny said that. I think it's spot on and I think that's quite good. And it's what people like to hear. If he come out and said, yeah, I think it's nine, nine, everyone would look back and go, wait a minute, like it's definitely not nine on the pitch at the moment. But yeah, no, Mark, again, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. And Danny? Yeah, like I say, so, sorry, sorry, it was the mega issue, right? But you, like I said, you did get me on my specialist subject. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. And Danny, this is a podcast for the fans, by the fans, remember that. I've always said that. Good night. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at The Wombles Had and Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.